Welcome to another podcast by Victoria Point Baptist Church. We are glad you have joined us today. If you would like to connect with us as we aim to introduce people to Jesus by connecting with our local community and beyond, you can find out more at vpbc.com.au. Understanding that our calling or our purpose is to re-establish the kingdom of God here on earth, Understanding that we're only able to do that as we rest in God, as we rest in his promises, as we rest in his power. So there's a sense where we need to come to this place of realising how important it is to rest. And we covered a number of things. It's always good summing up a series. Uh, We talked originally about resting in the unshakable God. Even though the whole world is shaking, even though it would seem that our future uh, is a little scary, we can rest in the unshakable God. Then we talked about the fact that we can rest in our weakness, uh, that we can be blessed in our humility, that God's kingdom is about using the weak uh, and in, in strengthening them by his spirit. We talked about sitting at God's feet. That wonderful rest where we can come with all our failures and all our faults, warts and all, and just sit at God's feet and know that he loves us and he cares for us and he provides for us. We talked about resting in the God of peace. We looked at that Philippians, that God is able to supply us with a peace that is beyond all human understanding. And we found that great comfort in knowing that regardless of what's happening around us, God gives us his peace. We talked about grace and how not only it saves us, but it sustains us. God's grace is important in the saving process of our sin being forgiven, being made right, a child of God. But we need God's grace every day just to live and to be his child. And we can rest in the truth of God's grace, that enabling. We talked about the new identity that we have in Christ and how we can rest in that. We have a new passport. We have that sense where we no longer belong to this world, but we belong to God's kingdom. We thought of Elijah. Uh, We talked about the rest that we can have when we're uh, mentally in a space where we're depressed even. Uh, When that thing seems too much of us and Elijah said, oh, I want to give up. Life's too hard. We talked about the rest that's available to us because God says the journey's too much for you. Stop and eat. Take me in. Enjoy me. And then last week, we talked, uh, Sam talked about God being the overcomer. Regardless of all the things that are happening, all the struggles, all the worries, God is the one that overcomes. And these are wonderful promises. These are foundational to our faith. These are so important to us to function every day. They fill us with hope. They fill us with confidence. Uh, and all these promises and all these statements, however, entirely rest on one thing. If we are to rest, there's one component that brings all these things together that enables us to enjoy the blessing of those promises. And in Hebrews 11, it says it is impossible to please God without faith. Now, that's a pretty strong statement, impossible to please God without faith. And so it reveals to us, I suppose, the importance of faith in our journey to God. But it's also impossible to rest without faith. Unless we live a life of faith, we will never rest. We'll be anxious, we'll be concerned, we'll be worried, we'll be thinking about how can I fix things. Uh, The whole pressure of life will be on our shoulders and we won't handle it. We'll fall because we're not made to take that weight. But faith is the means by which we please God. In fact, it's impossible to please him unless we show faith. But faith is the means by which we rest. Unless we have faith, we'll never rest. 
Unless we live by faith, we'll never rest. We'll always be striving, we'll always be worrying, we'll always be planning, we'll always trying to manipulating. Our mind will just never stop until we learn to have faith. And when we live in faith, then we rest. We rest in all those wonderful promises that we talk about. And so we can admire God, say, God's great, he's powerful, he's wonderful. We can love God's promises. We can say, oh, how great it is. Look at all the things that he's promised us. We, we can have a sense, oh, isn't it wonderful that I can have God's power in my life? We can admire all these things, but they come to nothing. They are useless without faith. Unless we have faith to actually uh, action those things into our life and claim them and, and live in intention where we embrace them, all the promises of God are wasted unless we live by faith. And so you and I have this immediate challenge right now. We can ask that question, am I someone who trusts God? Am I someone who actually lives by faith? Or do the pressures and the worries and the concerns of the anxieties weigh up and overwhelm me to the point where I crumble? Yes, I'm aware of his promises. Yes, I'm aware of God's power. Yes, I'm aware of the way that he loves me and all those wonderful things that we talked about we could rest in. But none of them have any legs. None of them have any power till we live by faith. And living by faith is an intentional thing. We face hardship, we face difficulty, we face challenge, and we have a choice. Either I'm going to do this in my own strength and trying to work it out, or I'm just going to trust God. So trusting God and living by faith is something that we decide to do. It's something that we make a choice. And so this Hebrews 11 principle, it's impossible to please God unless we have faith, is really key, really important. It will determine whether God's promises have any blessing in our life. It will determine if we are able to rest. And uh, Matt read to us from verse 32. And the reason that I went to verse 32 is the first few verses list all the big heroes and all the famous ones and so and so did this by faith and did this by faith. But in verse 32, we come to a place where we recognize and see that there's another list. There's another list of people, uh, semi-famous perhaps, um, but the reality of this is that these people had great weakness. These were people who were known to be weak. They had problems. They, it, throughout the Bible, it's noted uh, where they failed. And, and so we have this sense, I suppose, where here's a list of people who achieved great things. But Gideon was really slow to respond. He wasn't someone that acted in faith. In fact, he had lots of doubts. Barak was the same, uh, only the judge Deborah was able to get him motivated and get going. He was holding back and not trusting God. And Samson had a wonderful set of locks, but he, he, you know, he fell for Delilah and the things got messy and all those things. <laughs> so here we see from verse 32, a group of people that are known to achieve great things, but are who are known to operate out of weakness. They had some problems, they were like you and me. They weren't heroes, they were just ordinary people who struggle with things. And this is important because this is faith. This is a realisation that even though you and I are weak and we're broken, even though you and I cannot do everything or sort it out or have knowledge or wisdom, if we live by faith, we're able to achieve things in our lives and in God's kingdom. So it's not about how strong we are, it's who our faith is in. So it's not about our CV. It's not about the things that we can say, I can do this, this, this and this. I'm good at these things. <laughs> that has nothing to do with it. God is just looking for broken and weak people like you and me to have faith. 
and he's able to achieve great things. And we see here that they were never able to receive the full blessing. In other words, these Old Testament people never had the blessing of seeing Jesus born, uh, die and be resurrected. But we, in a sense, have that insight. We know about the one. We know Jesus. We know God's plan. We know that he's unrolling his plan and we're a part of it. And so even in the midst of our weakness, we're able to live by faith. Now, this is really important because you and I want to please God. There's not a single one of us here who doesn't want to please God, to do what's right. But the reality is it's not about us living perfect lives. It's not about us having all our ducks in a row. It's not about anything to do with us. That doesn't please God. He knows we're weak and broken. What pleases God is when we're faced with a challenge or we're unsure or uncertain that rather than acting out of anxiety and fear, we act out of faith. That's what pleases God. And so sometimes we come under a religious type thing. I please God by the things that I do. I don't do this, I don't do that, but I do this. We have a list of things and we think, I'm pleasing God. Actually, we're not. When you look at these people in verse 32, they weren't pleasing God by their actions because they were perfect and they had everything sorted out. No, the only reason these people please God is because they acted in faith. And so it's impossible to please God without faith. And so sometimes we might think, oh, gee, I need to sharpen up a bit. I need to kick the cat a little less. I need to do the washing up. I need to mind what I say. I need to be kind. And they're all genuine things. But often when we measure how God thinks of us or how we please him, we think, oh, if I do all these good things, then God's pleased. No. Not if we don't live by faith. Not if we don't trust him with the unknown. Whether we don't just say, okay, God, I believe in you. I can't see how this is going to turn out, but I'm going to hang in there because I trust you. That's faith. That's what pleases God. Love languages get spread around the place, you know. Sometimes husbands get given books so we understand how the female brain works. Have you understood yet? No. No, just read it, make out that you understand. <laughs> but we issue the, you know, love languages, it's this or it's that. Oh, look, you know, I'm too old for that, I'm sorry. It's valid, I've got to be really careful here because I'm digging myself a hole. It's not, it's not in the notes, so I'm in dangerous territory here, but it's all good. God's love language is not behaviour as far as doing good. God's love language is when we live by faith. And here is this list of people that messed up in every other way, but they were able to achieve great things because they lived by faith. Calvin said, In every saint there is almost something rep reprehensible. Nevertheless, although our faith may be imperfect and incomplete, it does not cease to be approved by God. This is not about us. It's who our faith is in. It's who our faith is in. And so we come to this place of realising that faith pleases God. But faith is only created through difficulty. This is a dilemma. Because often we say, God, take me out of the difficulty. Remove the problem, fix everything, make it right. I want a seamless, perfect life with no bumps, no problems. And yet the reality is that faith generally is, comes out of difficulty and problems. So we are in tension here. We are wanting the perfect life with no problems, and God's not against that. The only problem is that we often don't rely on him or have faith until we are in a difficult circumstance. 
So a rough translation is without faith, it's impossible to please God, could well be without a difficult, demanding and tough times, it's impossible to please God. You know, Mary, the mother of Jesus in Luke, the Christmas story, she is an amazing woman of faith. Incredible. Tough times. She acted so, so, so graciously in faith, was Mary. But when we look and we read about Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, they're a little bit more like us. They were sort of in the same situation. The angel said, do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to give him the name John. He asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. That's a nice way of saying it, guys. (laughs) Your wife is well along in years. I can associate with that. I really get that. I'm sure you do as well. Uh, This is going to happen. This is what God's going to do. And the very first thing he says is, how can I be sure? I want to know. Prove it. Why does God not prove things before they happen? Why does God not prove things? Because if God was to prove things, we need no faith. And if we have no faith, we can't please God. So Zechariah might have been pleased that God showed him a sign or a vision of what was going to happen and proved to him that he was going to have a child. Zechariah would have been happy, but God wouldn't have been because Zechariah would not have lived by faith. He would have lived by certainty. And so we need to be careful what we want from God. We need to be careful what we ask of God. We need to be careful with our prayers. We need to be careful with our attitude. Because if we are praying, God, fix this, sort it out. I want it smooth. Take away the problem. Sort this thing out. Make it sure. Prove to me. We are actually asking for a life that requires no faith. And so we're actually asking to live a life where we can't please God. And so there's a great challenge of Hebrews 11. It's far deeper than we're willing to recognize sometimes. But I'm with him. How, God, how can I be sure? How can I be sure? And no doubt you and I are always asking that same question. God, how can I be sure you're going to provide for me? How am I going to be sure that you know what's best for me? How am I going to be sure that you'll give me the strength to face this challenge? How can I be sure is a faith killer? Because it's understanding or or it's misunderstanding what faith is. Faith is the hope of what we cannot see. Faith is the belief that God is faithful and good even though I don't understand it. And so when we try to bring God down where our life is perfect and no bumps and humps and challenges and things, we are removing the faith element. And so our lives will never please God because we're living in certainty and not in faith. Oh, this is a challenge for me. Sure, it's a challenge for you in reality. I am so good at sort of talking about faith, so good at Hebrews 11. It's impossible to please God without faith. And we just slip it off our tongues and say, yeah, I've got to live by faith. But in reality, when my heart is revealed, sometimes I'm seeking after God or wanting him to do things that will actually take faith out of my life because I want certainty. I like Peter. Peter's someone like me says too much, gets himself into trouble. I just like Peter. And Peter went on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened 
and something like a large sheep being let down to earth by its four corners. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, surely not, Lord. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. And here, here this is the, the, the whole story is about Peter becoming aware that uh, salvation is not just for the Jew, but it's for the Gentile. And later on, we see how Peter is challenged to eat with the Gentiles and all those things. And his response is, surely not, God. Surely not. Another faith killer. If we're the sort of person, and we all are at some times, that respond to God by surely not, <laughs> we're killing faith. Surely not, God. You couldn't be asking me to do that. Surely not, God. You couldn't be asking me to forgive that person. Surely not, God. You couldn't really expect me to go over and help my neighbour. Surely not is something that Peter said, God, you can't be asking me to do that. And surely not is a faith killer. And it's one of those things that I suppose I often respond to. Go where? Do what? Surely not. You must have it wrong. And so we see already, it's so easy to say without faith, it's impossible to please God. But to actually live it, to make ourselves vulnerable, to expose ourselves, I suppose, to not saying surely not. Or how can I be sure? All these barriers to faith, it's so hard to overcome them. Moses is even worse. But Moses said to God, surely not, that's a grace killer. I, get it. I can't see my TV this morning, that's why I'm just looking up occasionally. But Moses said to God, look at this for a list. <laughs> Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Moses said to God, suppose I go and say to them, the God of the fathers has sent me. And they asked me, what is his name? Then what shall I say? Moses answered, what? What if they do not believe me or listen to me? The Lord did not appear to you. Moses said to the Lord, O oh Lord, I've never been eloquent. Neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Moses said, oh Lord, please let someone else do it. <laughs> oh, I like Moses. He's just like me. <laughs> All the excuses. Moses didn't understand, and sometimes I don't, that God's not so interested in my behaviour as far as crossing T's and dotting I's. God just wants me to live by faith. To trust him when I can't see the answer. To trust him when I'm worried and concerned. To trust him when it doesn't make sense. To trust him when I can't see the answers. Here's Moses, a long list. What if, suppose this, who am I? But Lord, I can't send someone else. All faith killers. But you know what else that list is? It's a list of things that stop us from resting. This is really important. We want to rest and we can rest because as God is good and faithful and he's given us all these promises. But we will never ever rest unless we live by faith. And here we have Moses has all these lists of things. All these questions, they're just faith killers and they're rest killers. Because you know what Moses is thinking? This life is my own. Look at what I've got to do. I've got to speak to the king. I've got to explain this. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. Moses thought life was all about him. And so all the stress and all the pressure and all the worry is on his shoulders because he's carrying it all. And yet God just wants him to live by faith so he doesn't have to carry it. Now we've looked at a few men that fell short. Let's uh, look at a few women who did really well. This should score a few brownie points, shouldn't it? We're going to look at a few women who really got it right. People that we could imitate. Esther. 
known throughout history for rescuing uh, the, the Jewish people, in a sense. She had a whole uh, a race of people under her hand, under her decision. And yet she faced this situation where she had to speak to her husband, the king, and it literally was a matter of life and death. Uh, he, it, it wasn't appropriate for her to go to the king the way that she planned on and, and sort of... She, could have been killed. But when she got all the other ladies together and all her support group and whatever, and she wanted them to pray, do you know what she said? If I perish, I perish. You compare Esther to Moses. Here's Moses, the big bulky guy with a hairy chest. Oh, not me, God. I can't speak. What happens if this happens? Oh, no, I can't do that. I'll oh, send someone else. Here's Esther, beautiful, fine Esther. Not physically strong, but when she came to realize that God had a calling on her life, she said, as an act of faith, if I perish, I perish. Incredible. Now, thankfully, not many things that God asks us to do will take our life. We're not taking risks here with our life. We're just taking the risk of trusting God with our future, taking the risk of trusting God for what we don't understand, trusting God when he says, go there, that we go, trusting God when he says, do this, that we do, trusting God when he says, give this up, that we give it up. Not life-threatening, but hard decisions. But we should have this mentality, this faith thought, if I perish, I perish. In other words, God, I'm trusting you with it. I'm just going to trust you with it, whatever it works out. And so here we have Esther's response as one of faith. If I perish, I perish. But Moses, he goes on and says, send someone else. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. I want to go back to Mary. I want to go back to her response. And I want us to think, I know we talk about this at Christmas time and I know we've talked about it for many, many years, but think about how would you respond? What would people think of you? How would you respond with your family and your friends and your community? What would be your response? But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. How will this be, Mary asked, since I'm a virgin? And her response, when we read on later, says, I am the Lord's servant, whatever you want. I am the Lord's servant, may it be as you have said. In other words, this is all about you. Whatever God you have, whatever purposes you have, I am just your servant, may it be as you have said. This morning we face a similar challenge. This is life. This is about faith. We say we believe, we understand that we live a life of faith, we talk about our faith. But in reality, this is how it plays out. When God asks us to do something, when God asks us to go somewhere, when God is saying, this is good for you, this is the best for you, um, whenever God says, hey, it's going to be tough for quite a lot longer, but I'll be with you, all of those things, the challenges of life, if only we could say, I am the Lord's servant, I have faith. May it be as you have said. May it be as you had said. Ruth. Ruth was an incredible lady. Ruth had the option to look after herself, to go and find a husband somewhere else or to stay with her mother-in-law, Naomi. She decided she would stay, she wouldn't leave. And so she stayed with Naomi. And we read here uh, a passage 
uh, in 2 Chronicles 2 verse 3 and it contains one of my most favourite little phrases. Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in in whose eyes I find favour. Naomi said to her, go ahead my daughter. So she went ahead and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. Here's my phrase, four words, as it turned out. (laughs) She found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Lemelech. And there's the, you know, all the relations and how it works out. (laughs) You know, for Ruth, it worked out better than she could ever imagined. There's no way known that she could have had any idea what God's plan was and how how she would uh, sort out her life. As it turned out, as it turned out. Now, this is the key to rest and this is the key to faith. This is how they come together. We believe by faith in things that we cannot see because we believe in a God where one day we'll say, as it turned out, that was a good call, God. As it turned out, God, I was glad that you sent me there. As it turned out, glad, I'm glad you asked me to give this up. As it turned out, I'm glad that you, whatever. As it turned out brings to the point where we get to faith because we can trust the end result. But this is the kicker. As it turned out is the reason why we can rest. Because there's blessing. There's blessing at the end. As it turned out, God, this was the right call. Now the only, I cannot figure it out because we're not real clever, but I can never quite figure out why we argue with God when deep down we know his way will turn out for the best. But we do, I do anyway. If only, I've got so many things I need to do in the morning when I wake up, apart from the obvious. I need to preach the gospel to myself every day. I need to say, God, I'm available to you. But somewhere on the toilet door, I need to make room for, as it turned out. Because if I live a life of faith, I can rest in the fact that my life will be the bestest life. You see, faith without blessing is hard for us because we say, yes, I believe and trust, but how does it turn out? Well, we know how it turns out because of Ruth and others. As it turns out, if you obey God and trust him, you will be blessed. So of all the things that we can rest in, all his wonderful promises, all, all the wonderful things about God's character, all the wonderful that we can sit at his feet, warts and all, that the journey's too much for us, we don't have to, we just eat and rest, that we can find his peace even in the midst of hardship, that he's the overcomer, that he's the unshakable God. All these wonderful, wonderful, life-changing promises that we can just soak in and have peace and comfort and contentment and hope. All these things hinge on this that we live lives of faith, that we don't say, surely not God. We don't say, in a sense, a response where this is too hard. We don't say to God, how will I really know? Or we don't say like Moses, i send someone else. (laughs) But rather we're like Esther who says, if I perish, I perish. God, I trust you. Or that we might be like Mary who says, I'm your servant, whatever you says is good by me. Because I trust and pray that when we wake up tomorrow that we would have this understanding, the foundation of our faith and of how we rest. As it turned out, God knew what he was doing. 
As it turned out, God is in charge. As it turns out, God does know what is best. As it turns out, God saves the best for last. As it turns out, God doesn't let us suffer unnecessarily. As it turns out, we'll always be glad that we responded to God in faith. This is the life of faith. This is the life of rest. As it turned out, God has this. God has it. Let's pray. Right now, what is it that you need to apply as it turned out? God knows what he's doing. What aspect of your life, your concern, your worry, your pain, your anxiety? What is it about life that you're not able to rest in right now? There will be a day, I don't know when, but there will be in the day... When you look back and say, as it turned out, God knew what he was doing. Father God, I pray that as your children today that we would realise that uh, fulfilling certain disciplines and rules and regulations doesn't please you that much. You don't want us to be religious. How we live is important for sure, but that doesn't please you. The only thing that pleases you is not our behaviour, but is our attitude. What really pleases is you when we live a life of faith, where even though we cannot see it or understand it or make sense of it, we say, God, I'm your servant. Whatever you say will do me. Hear the prayers of your people as we seek you this morning, as we pray not so much how much faith we would have that we could generate, just that we would have faith. So, Father God, when we wake up in the morning, the life will be, the, the, the deck of cards will be rolled out before us, and we don't really know what's going to happen. Things will be good, things will be bad, things will be unfair, things there'll be no answer to, things that'll cause us stress and worry and anxiety. And we have a choice. I choose to live by faith and please God, or I choose to live in my own strength. And if we do that, we'll never, ever rest.